Welcome to the New Shape of Work podcast series. I'm Kate Bravery, Mercer's Insight and Advisory Leader. And today I'm chatting with Martin Smith, Head of Global Compensation Solutions at Takeda. And we'll be chatting on how AI will transform the reward function. And what does it mean for you and I in terms of the work experience? Martin, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. And as always, it's a pleasure to be partnering. Um, so thank you for joining. Great. Thanks, Kate. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure again to speak with you about artificial intelligence, a topic close to my heart. I, I know that. Your passion is infectious, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you to join me on the call. And why don't we kick off with a little bit about yourself, your role, and maybe why you're on such an AI mission at Takeda. Great, thanks. Um, well, so my name is Martin Smith. I'm based in Zurich, Switzerland, and I'm the head of Global Compensation Solutions in Takeda. As you mentioned, so Takeda is a global pharmaceutical company. was founded 1781 in Japan. Currently has about 50,000 employees in 80 countries. And Takeda's mission is to change the lives of our patients by focusing on our values, integrity, fairness, honesty, and perseverance. Now, myself, I'm very passionate about technology uh, and especially AI. Uh, I like your words, right? In, uh, infectious or passionate. Uh, I think that all probably started in around 1983, 84 when I got my first computer and I actually was a big fan of Star Trek and their motto uh, to explore strange new worlds where no one has gone before is something that I really love to do. And in terms of AI, 2017, I really started deep diving into AI. I took a course at MIT on how that impacts the business strategy wrote a paper about how it could disrupt the pharma industry and created a simple website about how organizations can embed it. And funny enough, uh, yesterday when I was cleaning my archive, I found a paper that I wrote in 2017, which I called that time Human Language AI Code. And that paper uh, I wrote in there that I think you need to have AI talking in human language to people for it to be widely used. And at that time, I thought it was a very crazy idea that nobody would listen to that but now you know when i look back and we've got chat gtp a crazy idea six years ago may not have been such a crazy idea so i do think what we've seen with chat gtp is that the ability for humans to talk in such a simple way in a human language with complex solutions i think is making a huge difference so i'm very passionate and i see a lot of opportunity in this space well, I know you do because you share it with uh, a lot of the people that follow you. Of course, I am one. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. But um, I didn't know that Takeda was uh, around since 1781. That is staggering. Um, and also always good to speak to a fellow Trekkie. Uh, <laughs> I do, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny because I do feel that being, you know, soaked in science fiction as a background actually opens up our minds and helps us think what could be. I think last time we were together, it was on the day that um, ChatGPT4 had just brought out its translations. And yep. uh, you were sharing to me that it was picking up on your subtle accent and saying, should we translate into another language? And of course, I, the first thing I thought is like, oh, wow, we're now going to have, you know, our own personal translator, very much like uh, first generation had. <laughs> yes, well, actually, there's one of those devices. I think it was one company that proposed these buttons, right? So it's I think science fiction is really uh, a way for many people to imagine things in the future and then people start building it. So, yes, I'm fully mm -hmm. aligned. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it also constrains how we buy it. I've been following uh, the AI pin as well. And again, oh. there's some reminiscence there. And 
Um, but then there's also some conversations about uh, maybe, maybe that might not be the way it will head, but very exciting. Um, Martin, we should get, get going with some of the things we wanted to talk about today because yeah. my the time is going to slip away because I love speaking with you. Um, and, you know, you know that we've been working pr pretty closely on global talent trends recently. And one of our headlines for the 2024 study is that, you know, again, 99% of people are embarking on transformation this year, no surprise, but the number one driver of that transformation is productivity. And you won't be surprised that the reason why people are driving those productivity gains very clearly sits at the feet of AI. Two in five executives believe AI will fundamentally change their business model this year, yet only 14% of HR say they're ready for an era of human machine teaming. And that's a topic you and I have been talking a lot about. You know, clear, if we're going to unlock these productivity opportunities by AI, we need everyone to be leaning into a digital first culture. But scaling that and encouraging that, I think it's been a lot harder than we thought. And, uh, you know, I don't mind. Do you mind coming off mute on sort of what's been the journey at Takeda and how have you got people embracing particularly Gen AI? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, early in the year, I actually thought about it a lot, right? So I was extremely excited, especially when the first version of ChatGTP was coming up and others, but I noticed that many others didn't share my excitement. And I, I was thinking, so why is that? And I was thinking about, well, why would companies or people not be as excited as I am about, let's say, this technology and what can AI bring? Although I think the last few months, a lot of things has happened, right, in the media. It's amazing. Now, so I think, firstly, I think people are just busy with the jobs, right? They focus on what they need to do today, next month, or even next year. And, you know, that prevents people maybe to think a bit and step back about what, what else is there on the horizon and what we can do. So I think, you know, that is as with many things. Now, the second uh, reason why I think many are not necessarily there yet is that they may not have the systems, the training, the guidance, uh, or... They worry about what they can and cannot do with AI, right? Because they're they're not clear. And then if they're not clear or they're worrying, they just don't take action. But lastly, I think that um, AI is a relatively new type of technology. It's abstract technology. So I can imagine for many people, it is not so easy to imagine and visualize what can it exactly do, right? What is an exactly an example that they can use on a daily basis and helping in the jobs? And what you and I have seen in some of the other meetings we've been in, the moment you start talking about practical examples with people, mm -hmm. they say, ah, I didn't think about that. Uh, so I really think the key is basically in providing practical examples and use cases uh, rather than keeping it very abstract. And then you're going to see more and more people embracing it and starting to connect to what they do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a few questions. What are we doing in Takeda? I mean, uh, I'm very happy to say that in Takeda, digital or AI is one of our top imperatives. It's really on the top of one of the top of the agenda of the executive leadership, as well as in our HR function. Um, within Takeda, I think there's encouragement for people to explore and use AI. It's the right systems and guidance. And we're getting really great support from our digital function, which is, I think, important to have. Otherwise, you're, you do not know really what to do. So there's a lot of initiatives going in our company of working on digital assistance. We're introducing more AI-enabled processes and, and tools, but especially we're trying to make AI more visible, exactly what I've said before. And for example, next week, I will have a virtual call together with another HR colleague who's very passionate. And we will talk to a few, a few hundred HR people uh, in Takeda 
what impact could AI have to make it much more practical to them? Mm -hmm. um, specifically in the reward function, um, you know, there's there's a lot of cautiousness about using it in the reward function, but the reward function does a lot of things um, beyond just compensation planning. Maybe you can give me one or two examples about how you're making it pragmatic or how you're being very clear on how much time and dedication people should be spending to playing with this new tech? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, in terms of my own team, so I've got a team based in Boston, Zurich, and Singapore. When ChatGPT became really, you know, uh, out, I think it was March or April, I've basically suggested the team to spend several hours per week to explore AI, maybe four hours or six <laughs> hours. And from my own experience, I know it's not going to always pay off directly. Right? And sometimes people feel, well, I'm wasting my time or I'm playing around. But I am convinced based on my own experience and what I'm seeing others that, yes, this playing around will actually pay off right? for them, for us. And sometimes playing around, as some people call it, <laughs> can lead to the best and biggest innovation. So I think it's really important that people build in time right? and they're saying we're not going to focus on, on the project or we're going to reserve Friday afternoon so they can try to to, to find out what can these technologies do. And it doesn't mean that I think they need to do a training necessarily or they need to start programming, but they need to experience, well, what can these things do? And for example, uh, learning that asking the question slightly differently is giving very different output. And that is a skill that you only get by practicing. So if I look at total, yeah, so if I look at total rewards, I mean, obviously we take trust, safety, and security very seriously. So for for instance, at the moment, I am not comfortable of putting employee data or people data in AI machine learning. I think that is still a no-go. But mm -hmm. that, as you said, at least plenty of other stuff that you can still do. And for instance, you know, we use AI in designing frameworks such as global job architecture. And you, know, you can use AI to help develop job descriptions or how you match them to, to the market data such as Mercer's, right? And that is previously done by humans and you know mm -hmm. may take five or ten minutes and an AI can do that in in five seconds right now and I think if you look into large companies such as Takeda and many other big companies is that sometimes projects or the type of work can can take months uh, but AI can really accelerate it and that doesn't mean that uh, let's say it's necessarily always much faster because sometimes what you want to do is you want to use the remaining time that you have left to spend on other activities such as validation, engagement, or fine-tuning. Mm -hmm. So I, I find a lot of benefit. Um, I can mention yeah. another example if you want about getting better insights. But oh, I, I think we, we love all your your all <laughs> of your answers because I, I would love to, to hear. Every time I speak to you, I always get a, a, a new a new thing that I apply back into my work. So I think we would love that. But I agree with your point here that we should be intentional about how we're using some of those productivity gains. Uh, you know, I think our, the executives that we've surveyed around the world are expecting 21 to 30% productivity gains, which is pretty sizable. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, employees are saying we're exhausted, we're burned out, we don't have much capacity. And yet they're saying 30 to 40% of my job is mundane or repetitive. So mm. it's clearly an answer to all of this, but unfortunately, maybe not at the same time. <laughs> yep. um, but I like your clarity of direction, you know, spend X amount of hours or dedicate this time on a Friday for it. Because I think that that does make a difference. But to that point about productivity gains, are you beginning to see that? Because 
you know, that advice was, you know, a good nine to 10 months ago now. Um, Have you started to see that yielding um, some efficiency gains for your team? And what are the two or three examples that others should be thinking about? Yes, I mean, I mean, I don't measure it in terms of percentages or hours. Uh, I'm, um, I'm not a huge fan of time writing and that people find out I've saved three hours. But I, I think what we see and what we notice in my own role as well in my teams is that normally when you would ask something, it would take three or four days and you could potentially turn it around in a day. right? And, and that shows to me that, yes, you can do these things much faster. Um, again, as I, if I come back to... A typical example, right? Again, the job descriptions. I mean, yes, I could have it in the evening start and then in the morning when I come back to work, uh, let's say it would have done 4,000 job descriptions, right? And not necessarily all perfect, but I wouldn't be able to do that even with a team of, of 10 people, right? And say, can you give me that tomorrow? So I think the efficiency is, is definitely there. Um, but yes, I, I do think we're still in a phase whereby you would want to spend some more time on validating, right? So I'm not, I don't think we're there yet in, in blindly trusting the solutions and the advice that AI comes with. So yes, maybe in a few years when we are more confident that what AI brings us is of sufficient quality and the, the outputs are qualitative, I think that is when you're going to see efficiency gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, I think i rather use that time to make sure the quality is validated and we we use it, for example, for socialization and engagement. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think we're having a similar experience ourselves within Marsh McLennan. We've got a mm-hmm. large language model in-house called Len AI, and it's taking, taking a longer time to take some of our data and make it in a format that the Gen AI can understand, and a longer time to validate it on the back end. Yes. But I think we can all see the efficiency gains that will, will come in the future um, yes. as we start to 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 move forward on this technology, which is very exciting. You know, Martin, it's, it's it's strange the two of us just speaking one-on-one because you and I have had the honor of co-presenting um, on a panel with our Gen AI powered avatar, Laura. And it almost feels a little rude to kind of be leaving her out of this conversation. Maybe as we transition into a discussion more focused on reward, we can get her point of view first. Um, so Laura, I'm hoping you are still there. Um, Laura, Imagine you are in a similar role to Martin. You're a head of HR briefing your total rewards team. What, in your view, are the five most likely ways that AI will change how we do compensation planning in the future? As the head of HR, here are the five most likely ways that AI will change how we do compensation planning. First, improved data analysis. AI can help us analyze large amounts of compensation data quickly and accurately. This can help us identify trends and patterns that we may have missed otherwise, and make more informed decisions about compensation planning. Second, personalized compensation packages. AI can help us create personalized compensation packages for employees based on their skills, experience, and performance. This can help us attract and retain top talent, and ensure that employees are compensated fairly. Third, increased transparency. AI can help us increase transparency in compensation planning by providing employees with more information about how their compensation is determined. This can help build trust and improve employee engagement. Fourth, better compliance. AI can help us ensure that our compensation practices are compliant with relevant laws and regulations. This can help us avoid legal issues and reputational damage. 
Fifth, more efficient processes. AI can help us automate many of the manual processes involved in compensation planning, such as data entry and analysis. This can help us save time and increase efficiency, allowing us to focus on more strategic tasks. It's so funny, Martin, because Lara always has a point of view, which is always to a certain degree retrospective looking. And as we know, things are moving very fast, particularly in the Gen AI space. And I'm curious, you know, from what you've been seeing over the last couple of months, which systems have impressed you? What have you been using and testing in your work processes? Yes, it's moving incredibly fast. I mean, at warp speed, we would say, right, in, in Star Trek terms. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I held myself back from that comment, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, literally every day when I, you know, or every evening when I check it, there's an announcement, right, coming up of a new functionality or a new tool. I mean, in October, when we last met and we talked about it, I mean, we didn't have custom GPTs from OpenAI. Microsoft didn't have its co-pilot and Azure widely distributed. And this week, I noticed that Google and DeepMind announced Gemini, potential competitor from ChatGTP. So every week, there's something happening which I couldn't predict, let's say, the week before. Now, in terms of systems, um, I can only speak for the systems that I'm familiar with, as there are many people in Takeda and out there that you know work in this space, and there's many others. But I've been primarily focusing on uh, OpenAI, uh, ChatGTP, the, the front-end, but also the back-end, and more recently, uh, the custom GPT functionality, which is, I think, very impressive, as well as Microsoft Copilot and Azure OpenAI. And um, coming back to those two options, I mean, I love the custom GPT functionality in um, ChatGTP. And for the people that are not familiar with that, it basically avoids end users having to explain a lot to ChatGTP. Right? So if you now go to ChatGTP, and I used an example recently, you would ask it, what standards are you familiar with? It would not have a clue what you're asking about. But if you would go to a, a GPT that is focused on financial reporting, it knows you would want to know about financial standards and you don't need to explain it. So I think that functionality excites me a lot because I think especially professionals, you know, they, they don't want to spend a lot of time explaining to AI what they want to know. They want to talk to AI like they talk to another colleague and the AI solution, whether it's ChatGTP or Microsoft, knows exactly what, what is their context. So I think that is really, um, I think, very promising. Um, now, the other thing which I really was impressed was uh, what I'm seeing in the Microsoft space. Right? So it's building, um, building workflows. And Microsoft, of course, is able to integrate it with a lot of tools that people in corporations use. Right? So you can build AI and workflows with Teams and email. So I, I find that impressive. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the ChatGTP solutions, I think, are very intuitive and very easy to use, but I think they lack the amount of integration, right? On the other hand, you see Microsoft, which I think have tremendous amount of functionality integration, but they're, I think, too complicated for many people to easily use. So I look very much forward, and I'm curious, how will this OpenAI Microsoft Alliance will develop? And ideally, something comes out that you're going to get systems that are very easy and intuitive to use in the front end, but have a lot of flexibility and, and customization on the back end. And um, I mean, I think that's going to be interesting. And then, I mean, obviously, vendors, right? We use systems from vendors such as Mercer, but you know, other tools as well. And I see increasingly, as you've mentioned, vendors introducing AI into that technology, right? And some rudimentary and some much more advanced. And I think that's a great development. But I think 
it's important for customers such as us or users of these systems that we need to understand how they work and that we're comfortable with it. Because in the end, we need to be comfortable with the outputs and we need to be able to explain it. So I think um, I think there's movement on that, but uh, we need to see how that evolves it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the combination of those capabilities is mind boggling and incredibly exciting. But I agree with you when we are able to leverage or import more domain specific large language models. I think that's going to have an even more powerful impact. We're beginning to start to see that in HR. I mean, for certainly for our models, we were feeding it a lot with our own policies and content and, and thought leadership to get the answers out. But I also see there's some now available on the public domain. And if you think about that leveling um, opportunity that has it staggering, you know, if you put a medical large language model you know, in the hands of a nurse compared to a doctor, you know, it, you, you know who gets the, the, the biggest uptick. Um, but yes, embedding it into our workflows to really reduce the overall exhaustion of work, I think is where the sweet spot is. You know, we were talking earlier about people sometimes just don't have the capacity to be learning this. Um, but when we're sort of being nudged and intuitively learning it along the way, which I think Microsoft is exceptional at, that can make a, a huge, huge, huge difference. And the employee experience is going to look very different as a result. So why don't we get uh, Laura to share her views and then maybe I'll come back to you, Martin, and hear yours. Um, you know, Laura, in your view, what are the five primary ways AI will enhance the overall reward experience for employees? AI will enhance the overall rewards experience for employees in the following five primary ways. First, personalized rewards. AI can analyze individual employee data to tailor rewards packages, including compensation, benefits, bonuses, and recognition, to align with each employee's unique needs and preferences. Second, data-driven insights. AI can process extensive employee data to provide organizations with valuable insights, helping them make informed decisions about rewards programs and compensation adjustments. Third, real-time feedback and development. AI-powered systems can offer continuous feedback and suggest development opportunities, enabling employees to improve their skills and career prospects, potentially leading to greater rewards as they progress. Fourth, benefits optimization. AI can assist employees in selecting the most suitable benefit options based on their individual circumstances, ensuring that they make informed decisions and maximize the value of their benefits. Fifth, efficiency and compliance. AI can streamline administrative tasks related to rewards, such as benefits enrollment and compliance checks, reducing administrative burdens and ensuring that rewards programs adhere to legal and regulatory requirements, minimizing compliance risks. Well, Lara touched uh, on many of those points there that you and I have had deep conversations on, especially with regard to data-driven insights, being able to customize and personalize and, and, and certainly in the current economic climate, optimize to make sure that every benefit and every reward has the most maximum impact for each individual. You know, for many years, I think we've seen that our hands have been tied by our systems as to how we can nuance and tailor packages to individuals. And I think if I believe what Lara is saying, a lot of that will open up. Um, so Martin, how do you think it's not just going to reshape the experience for employees, but reshape how we make compensation decisions within HR? Yes, I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, the compensation function or actually 
many other functions within a company will change in the next five or 10 years and faster than I think most of us will realize. And I think it's going to reshape across three dimensions. So the firstly is, I think, the easiest. Uh, decisions will be executed faster and more efficient. I mean, you could, I, I imagine at one point, go to a chatbot and you say, please give a reward to a colleague, right? And it would happen. And not now having to log into a system, put in some points and click on a button and get approvals. You can just talk to an AI saying, please reward this person and the AI will do that. So I think that is the, the low-hanging fruit. Uh, the second one, I think, is uh, it will help the decision makers, which could be employees, right? Or managers making better informed decisions, which indeed will be more intuitive. And I think AI will be able to help people to make better decisions by structuring the information options better. And you, you touched base on a great example. So as an example, we've got flexible benefits in various countries, right? It's common, I think, in the US, UK, maybe others whereby employees can choose between benefits or, or compensation elements within a specific budget. Now, at the moment, employees or people need to think through that. I've got these two options, which, what shall I take? Shall I go for the car allowance or shall I go for the transformation uh, or the transportation pass and probably calculating an Excel file what, what the advantages are? I think that in a few years, uh, you could, if you would want, you know, ask an AI and it will calculate what is your commuting time to the office, right? What is the gasoline <laughs> price maybe doing over the next year, the parking cost, maybe your personal taxation situation, if you choose to provide it. And then I as an employee would get very simple saying, Martin, you know, this is the net value in case you're going to go with the trans transportation pass. And this is the net value if you're going to go with the car allowance. And then people say, ah, okay, I choose this one. So I think the decision making will be better and much more intuitive. But that will not be the game changer. I think the game changer will be, I call it the third dimension, which is um, something that is core to many large companies. Every large company has policies, strategies, plans, programs, guidance or rules. Everybody calls these things different. I call them pieces of text. And every, every company has pieces of text and they achieve, aim to achieve something. And they do that by influencing the decisions and the actions of the people in an organization and the systems. Now, currently, all of these pieces of text or policies are created by people like me, right? From senior level to junior level. And sometimes these policies are very effective in what they want to achieve, uh, sometimes not. Uh, I also think that every company has policies probably that nobody reads, right? 20-page documents that are are hidden somewhere because they're too complicated. But I think with AI, these things could be something of the past. So I think AI will be able to support these people in, in the design policies in making much better policies or strategies because it will simply understand much more about the organization. It will understand and be able to measure effectiveness. It will understand what kind of people are in your organization, what typical decisions they'd like to take, how they like to observe information, if they like details or summaries. And I think with an AI being able to support people to make better policies and frameworks, that should lead to better decisions. And by better decisions, we should be getting better outcomes. So I think it will be a game changer. And honestly, in October when we met, I thought it will be years out. And then I saw what's coming out over the last month. I say, oh, I think that can be much faster than what we realize.
Wow, that's that's fantastic. That gets me even more excited. Uh, and, and I agree with you. I also think that the AI will have a chance to reduce the length of some of that content as well. You know, you're saying it's all content. I agree it's all content. And I actually have, we actually have a partner that says every single policy that you write for us has to be a, basically a third shorter than what you would have it. And we spend a lot of time reducing it to reduce the load on new joiners, et cetera. Obviously, AI can do that for us moving forward, which I think is really exciting, particularly when people are feeling exhausted, not having enough capacity to learn new things. So I, I think it's part of the, the solution as well as the, the solution itself. And um, your comment there about benefits and, you know, car versus transport um you know when when open enrollment or benefit selection here in the mm. uk rolls around i just do whatever i did last year <laughs> not yeah. because of any good reason just because the policies and of benefits are pretty long to kind of plow through and read and to have a partner that maybe knows a bit more about my family history and can combine it with some of that information to make a better decision just sounds wonderful. The only thing that worried me about what you said, Martin, is, you know, that um, we recently wrote a book um, about working difference. And one of the chapters in the book says it doesn't pay to stay. And we did a sort of a manual, like balance sheet. You know, what, are, you know, if I stay with the organization over five to 10 years, where will my career be? Where will my health be? Where will my pay be? My pay be? And then if I left, what are the opportunities based on how hot the market is, how my skills mm -hmm. are trending? And um, now I worry that uh, the tech can probably do that for other people. So if you haven't got your employee value proposition really tuned in to what people matter, um, it's going to be a whole lot more transparent in the future. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think AI will help. But as you, I think, also said in the previous meeting, people still make a lot of decisions based on emotions. And emotions are difficult to quantify, at least by AI. So it's the same. I remember I bought a car a few years ago and I came up with an Excel file and one car brand was in Excel, let's say, less costly than the other. But I really wanted <laughs> the other one. So, yeah, you change some assumptions, maybe like, you know, maybe I can drive a year longer in that car. And then, hey, suddenly that car. So I think, you know, emotions, people are emotional people. And I think yes. that will be part of the decision making process. Well well, the good thing is we we still have a role to play. And I think it's actually good to recognize when it is an emotional decision because, you know, we're tweaking the tweaking the facts or changing the criteria. Um, and maybe that will help us learn a little bit more about our skills as humans. Um, you, know, you obviously spend a lot of time playing with these different applications. And I love the word play. So I'm using it intentionally there. Um, but what about your team? How are they getting familiar and how are they sharing some of their learning or maybe what isn't working for them? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the challenge is, is that the systems are changing so fast that you know, I am I'm careful in suggesting people to get familiar with a specific system, right? Because the moment they learn system A, system B will be out there and will be better. So uh, what for me is really key with the team is, is that, again, they experiment and they find out what can these different type of systems do in a safe environment. And... Um, for me, it's not really about, it's about a mindset change, right? That they understand, ah, this type of technology can help me with things I'm doing now or could be things in the future and providing a different view. So um, let me give an example for myself then. So you know, very now I know what AI can do, or at least I think what I, I know what it can do. When I see an activity, whether it's at work or when I walk down the street, 
it goes through my head saying, oh, that actually could be done by a robot. But I would only be able to have the thought if I would have some hands of experience, right? Even if it's playing around. And I think for me, it's really key that we get that mindset. And what I try to avoid with this team that I, a great team that I'm working with at the moment is spending too much building the solutions because I rather have the team being ready in being able to use the solutions when they come available than start building them. And if I make an analogy, compare it to a century ago. Right? Humans learned that we would have the capacity to build a car and we would roughly know what the car would do, right? You could sit in, in it and it would transport you somewhere and it would be <laughs> different. So instead of having the team or the organization build the car, I think it's better to have other people build the car because they're much better equipped in doing it. And we can then think, well, once, once we can buy that car or rent that car, actually, uh, what would we need to do to to make effective use of it, right? And can we already learn to drive it? And can we already think about what we do it? And I see it the same with AI, saying, okay, thinking ahead is when these solutions come in, like with Copilot, okay, how can we build solutions that, that we can utilize? I love that. I love that. You know, I think I think it is all about mindset and, and skill set, as you were saying earlier. You know, we learn from the machine what prompts work and this machine is learning for us. I love that symbiotic relationship. And I think you're right. It is about at this point in time having sort of fungible mindware rather than fixed systems, because a lot of that is going to change. Hey, how about we go across to Lara? Lara, maybe I can ask you a similar question. What advice might you have for a new compensation expert that wants to work with AI? If you are a new compensation expert who wants to work with AI, here are some pieces of advice that can help you get started. Learn the basics of AI. Before you start working with AI, it's important to have a basic understanding of what AI is, how it works, and what it can do. This will help you identify the tasks that can be automated and those that require human intervention. Identify the compensation tasks that can be automated. Once you have a basic understanding of AI, identify the compensation tasks that can be automated. This can include tasks such as data collection, analysis, and reporting. Choose the right AI tool. There are many AI tools available in the market. Choose the one that best suits your needs and budget. Look for tools that are specifically designed for compensation tasks. Train the AI tool. Once you have chosen the AI tool, train it to perform the tasks that you have identified. This will help the tool learn and improve over time. Monitor the AI tool. Keep an eye on the AI tool to ensure that it is performing the tasks correctly. Make adjustments as necessary to optimize its performance. Stay up to date with the latest developments in AI. AI is a rapidly evolving field and new tools and techniques are being developed all the time. By following these pieces of advice, you can start working with AI to improve your compensation processes and increase your overall efficiency. All right, Martin, I knew it was gonna happen. We are coming close to time. Um, so final question to you. If we, if we, um, zoom into 2030 and i know as a fellow staff star trek fan you know exactly what that could feel like okay. uh, and therefore human machine integration is yesterday news it's it's the way we wake up and breathe <laughs> what do you think will be fundamentally different for hr and maybe what skills will command a price premium yeah i mean 2000 
really feels a bit like that message that you sometimes see in your side view car mirrors, right? Things may appear f- further away than they seem to be. I mean, I'm saying that because I still remember 2017 looking at AI, and now it's suddenly 2024, right? And um, but if I would need to make a guess about 2030, which is far and close at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I think, first of all, many corporate jobs will be different, right? Uh, we've talked about it, such as HR touch rewards. And uh, I think AI will just be an integral part of, of the daily operations, the same like we use email and we use, we use Word. So I think that is one thing that will definitely be there. And I think what is not going to change is for roles and the skill to understand what the business and your customers need. You still need people that partner with the business or partner with customers and think these are the solutions that, you know, that may be beneficial. And I think that that will stay. Now, I think, I think where things will change in terms of skills and roles, I think there will be an increased demand and requirement for what I call domain experts. Mm-hmm. And these roles are not only needed to implement and run these systems, but I think also to determine if these outcomes are actually helpful. And I see it as a human expertise, strengthening and validating digital knowledge. And as a compensation professional, I can say that if I would ask one of these AI tools to make a proposal for an international move, it comes very convincingly with all kinds of argumentation. But I know as a compensation professional, it's not correct or it's not the right way to do that. And you only know that if you have expertise in that. So I think... (laughs) The more we're going to get these AI solutions, I think the more important organizations will need to have experts. Now, that brings me to the other side of the coin, which is junior and analytical roles. I think a lot of what analytical and junior roles do today could be done by AI in a few years and definitely by 2030. But if people then start worrying that there will not be analytical roles anymore, I don't think they need to worry. I still think you're going to have these roles but they will be different in skill set, what they're required to do. And I think they will be less analytical and maybe more AI-lytical. And what I mean to say with that is you're going to have junior AI-lytical roles that are very quickly able to identify which solutions could help them, what data would they need to put in there, and, and testing it, and would it work? And these roles we need, right? Because you're going to have the domain experts that will retire at one point and you need to have career paths and entry points for people in an organization to develop that. So I think in a nutshell, I think you're going to keep your business and customer understanding that will be critical. You're going to need domain expertise and uh, you're going to have more uh, AI-focused solutions that focus on work. Now that brings me to, and I think another thing that I just thought about is that I think there's a new skill that I think we need. And I couldn't find it actually in, my, in LinkedIn. I'm just going to add it later, <laughs> which I call imagination. I think, um, I think you really need, and you can use with AI a skill that you think about things that you could not do before. I think what you see with digital technologies such as AI is that once a person anywhere in the world at any level imagines something new and is then able to build it, and that will be easier and easier, the impact is exponential. You can build something in a day, and a second later, a minute later, millions of people can use it. So I think having people in the, in the workforce, or even outside the workforce, to imagine what can they do that they cannot do at the moment, and what I think will be extremely valuable. So I look with a lot of optimism to, towards 2030, and you know I'm happy to jump on the podcast 
yeah, around that time. And if I'm sure if we cannot meet by that time, we both have digital twins that can do the interview with each other together. That sounds fantastic. I love that. I love your thoughts on uh, moving to hyperdrive. And uh, when you were talking there about domain specific, it was reminding me, mm. you know, maybe we'll start to wear, you know, red, yellow and blue jumpers to denote our areas of expertise and, uh, and knowledge. Uh, fantastic. And I love your heartening comments there about, yes, there will be some dislocation in what we mean by an analyst role, but it will move up the value chain, not out of the organization. And I love that comment around a AI-lytics. I hadn't heard that before. Fantastic. Um, Martin, um, we could talk forever, as always, but thank you so much for joining me today, sharing a lot of your insights and experiments. And, I, and as I mentioned earlier, I know you share a lot of those experiments on LinkedIn. So listeners, if you've not connected to Martin Schmidt on, uh, on his LinkedIn, please do, because he's very generous in sharing um, what he's learning about new technology and experiments in the reward space, which is fantastic. Um, so for me, my, the, my big takeaways today is it's all about mindset and uh, and inspiration and you can get that by spending more time uh, watching sci-fi and playing i think that was part of your advice <laughs> for us who, who might be leaders um we need to make sure that we're really clear about what we're asking about asking of people as they begin to explore we need to move away from the theoretical to the practical um if executives, uh, digital and HR are all singing from the hymn sheet about the imperative of that, it really makes a difference. And we've just ended up here talking about we need to build the right culture where people do have those curiosity and fund fungible mindsets that are going to set up for success in the future. Very exciting. Um, lots to uh, digest. And I'm excited about that future that you paint for us when our avatars will be getting together. <laughs> um, yes. Just, Martin, before you do go, you also read and listen a lot is there any um podcast that you would recommend to our listeners yes well of course i follow you kate you mean you <laughs> i learn a lot from your postings as well right so it's uh definitely i think a source i mean i think there's another podcast uh it's called ai evolution from oh, ai evolution yes uh jason averbrock yep. yes that's yeah, a really i think good that's one. a great podcast i mean economist sometimes has great podcasts but I think what I would also recommend people is I'm sure that in every organization and every company, there's somewhere somebody could be very junior that is very passionate about AI. Right? And find those people, ask them to join a call or join a leadership team meeting and give them a demo, because that is where you'll see a lot of passion and a lot of ideas that will not bubble up. So uh, yes, LinkedIn, your uh, podcast, uh, my profile, but try to learn and, and connect with other people in the organization that have, have ideas, I think. So I it, it was a pleasure talking to you too. It was great chatting to you, Martin. I agree. I think the inspiration and energy of the younger people that are growing up with this um, in the way that they work um, is going to be phenomenal. And certainly for me, that's where I am. Um, I get a lot of my inspiration and my ideas from. Um, we do have to close today. Martin, thank you so much for joining me. It's been wonderful. Um, listeners, if you are interested in some of the topics we've been discussing today, or hearing from our experts and leaders, please do visit mercer.com and su subscribe to the podcast wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Martin, thank you again. Uh, listeners, have a great rest of day. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you today. <laughs> great fun. <laughs> thank you, Martin. <laughs>